These days, controlling costs means much more than just increasing employee responsibility. But how can advisors find the patterns in their clients' data and use them to offer innovative solutions? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode is brought to you by MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Employee benefits, property and casualty, and financial professionals all rely on this affordable, easy-to-use, real-time search engine to find their target prospects in both large and small group markets. Visit www.myedge.biz for more information or click on the sponsor link at shiftshapersonline.com. Today on Shift Shapers, we're talking with Christopher Fisher. Christopher is founder and president of Benefits Ally, and he's one of the real thought leaders in our industry. And we thought it would be a great idea to kind of get his take on some of the future trends and some of the things that are going on in the industry. So with that, welcome, Christopher. Thank you, David. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. How did you get to, we're always interested on Shift Shapers uh, in people's journey, you know, kind of where they started their professional career and how they ended up doing what they're doing now. What was your journey like? So I have an interesting background, two separate industries. I've spent some time in the uh, technology sector working for a couple of very large technology firms and also in the employee benefit space working on the carrier and also on the brokerage side. And uh, one of the things I started realizing is, you know what, there are all of these cool companies and cool ideas out there from a cost control perspective, but that most benefit consultants have zero free time to stay on top of it. And it just became an idea in my head that I was fascinated about for a long, long time. And about three years ago, I started having the conversation with some brokers and uh, enough guys said, you know what, that's a really good idea. I think you should give this thing a shot. So I did. And three years later in 2015, here I stand. Interesting. You know, it's never a straight line, is it? It never is. And even the last three years have not been a straight line. We're constantly evolving. But I think that's what makes this exciting. There's so much room for innovation and creative thinking in the employee benefits industry, especially today. And I think the guys who are truly creative and innovative are going to thrive. And the guys who are content to do the status quo, same thing they've been doing, they're going to disappear. That's exciting to me. No, no question. And that's a great jumping off point for some of the substantive parts of our discussion. We talk about, you know, doing the same things or doing things that are innovative and forward looking. In an earlier episode, we talked to our friends at Zywave and they did a survey of employers. And even today, all these years past post ACA with all the new ideas that are floating around, what they found wasn't surprising to a lot of us. And that's that today, most employers are still trying to use cost shifting as a way of managing their costs. Is that going to be an effective strategy much longer? I certainly wouldn't think so. I mean, I think as more and more companies cost shift, benefits get more and more expensive. I think you're starting to see people and employees opting out of the system in general. They're saying, look, deductibles are so high. It's crazy expensive. I'm going to opt out and people start looking at individual policies. And for benefit consultants that are in the group business, that's a serious, serious problem. I think the good news is for brokers and consultants that are innovative, there are hundreds, if not thousands of companies out there doing creative things to control the cost of healthcare. It's just a matter of 
if you're a busy benefit consultant, how do you stay on top of that? You know, I was looking at an article recently, and I forgot the number. It was billions of dollars of venture capital funding going into companies doing creative things in the healthcare space right now. So there's no shortage of innovative ideas and things happening. It's just a matter of how do benefit consultants and brokers working with employers, they leverage that. Because talking about raising deductibles and HSAs and the same stuff everybody else is talking about, I think is, uh, is, it's not a winning strategy. No, we've talked about it on, on the podcast before that, you know, interestingly enough, stuff that used to be a differentiator for a benefit advisor, today it's table stakes. If you don't have that stuff, you can't go talk to an employer. So you have to be able to bring new things to the table. They're expecting it. And I really think, you know, one of the things that the, that survey pointed out was that employers are more and more looking to their advisors to try to bring them some new ideas. And you take a top level view of those and you call them, you have a great phrase for them. You call them intelligent healthcare solutions. What does that mean? What is an intelligent healthcare solution? That's a great question. And, and uh, intelligent healthcare solutions was kind of a tagline when I first started the company. But for us, I'm always looking for, for companies that I think meet three, three criteria. One, it's intelligent. Is it a smart idea? Is it something that I think intuitively makes sense? Is in the healthcare space, we're always looking for things that can control medical and pharmacy costs. Nobody's worried about life insurance rates or disability rates. They're worried about healthcare costs, medical and pharmacy. And then also, is it a solution? Does it solve a problem? You know, whether it's pharmacy costs, pharmacy costs are a big one actually right now. Healthcare transparency, they're trying to drive more participation in the HSA. They're trying to create a marketplace to, you know, let providers compete for their business. There are lots of problems out there, and are there solutions out there to solve those problems? And, and the short answer is there are a lot of really great solutions out there, and that's what, uh, that's what I'm looking for. And we spend hours and hours each week talking to companies that we think are doing unique things that uh, you know, can solve problems out there in the marketplace. You mentioned pharmacy, and let's, let's kind of take a side road out there. What percentage of overall medical spend for an average company is pharma driving today? You know, that's a great question. It's really all over the map. A lot of it's probably demographic-based more than anything else. If you've got a young oil and gas population, I'm in Texas, we've got a lot of oil and gas business, young, healthy guys, not a whole lot. You've got an older population, maybe an architecture bank, law firm, it's a lot higher. I honestly don't know the answer. I probably should, but it's, it varies. I will tell you that pharmacy costs are growing a lot faster than medical costs. Almost every benefit consultant we talk to is constantly going, what can we do on the on the pharmacy side, because it's a it's a hot button issue. When you talk to advisors, I know you kind of use a, a matrix of a three step process. Can you take us through that? Yeah, so we use a process called DOM, and again, I come from the technology side where acronyms are king. So DOM stands for Data Opportunity Money. So when I sit down with a benefit consultant who's looking for some creative ideas, the first thing we always talk about it's, it's data. Data is king. When benefit consultants go out there and say, hey, here's this interesting idea, I want to talk to you about X, if I'm an employer, I'm inherently skeptical because you have no idea what's actually happening in my health plan. So the key thing for any benefit consultant to me is always starting with data. Unless you get detailed, detailed claims data, and I'm not talking about a nice, pretty PDF report that's premium versus claims. I'm talking granular data, NDC codes, CPT codes, plan paid, member paid, retail versus mail order, all that kind of stuff. Data is key. Uh, And then from that perspective, it's what you do with that data. Um, Really drilling down into that data and, and looking at all of those dozens of opportunities that are out there. You know, again, pharmacy solutions, telemedicine, healthcare transparency, bundled case rates, audit plays, trying to figure out 
wit of those opportunities makes sense based on the data. And the last part, M, is just money, trying to understand what the financial impact of those solutions would be. So when a benefit consultant sits down with an employer and says, you know what, here's a particular, you were struggling with pharmacy costs. We reviewed every single penny of your pharmacy spend in the last 12 months, looked at the drug spend, generic versus brand, et cetera. And here are a couple of solutions, specific solutions that we think make sense for this group. And here's, here's the money. Here's the financial impact. When you have that conversation, it's far more credible as, uh, as a benefit consultant and as an employer than just going in and talking about the same stuff everybody else is talking about. Now a word from our sponsor, MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. The MyEdge small group prospecting solution makes it fast and easy to find the qualified leads you need to grow your business. Who uses the MyEdge small group prospecting solution? Employee benefits brokers who need to find accurate eligible employee numbers and employer contact information. Property and casualty agents who need to know which employers are out of compliance with their fidelity bond and if they need to increase their bond coverage. Financial professionals who need to identify plan types, asset size, high commissions, and fees. MyEdge enables you to search for employers with 120 benefit-eligible employees or fewer by geographic region, employer contribution, employee participation, industry segment, and more. Register for a free live webinar at www.myedge.biz to see how easy it is to find qualified small group leads. Or click the sponsor button on the shiftshapersonline.com website. Data and, and the discussion of data and how you dig into it seems to be, understandably, a recurring topic on this program. And, and a question that I'll ask sometimes is this, and I'd love to get your take on this. In our industry, we do a great job in terms of data of looking out the rearview mirror, to use a, an automobile analogy. The holy grail for us in terms of really being able to, to bend trends and manage costs is going to be trying to get to a point where we look out the windshield with kind of a heads-up display. How do we get there, or, or is it not possible to get there? You know, that's an excellent question, and it's, it's not easy. From our perspective, I think we obviously take a historical view first. We want to look out the rear window and see what happened in the past. You know, history is obviously a, a great indicator of what's going to happen in the future. So for benefit consultants, if you look back and look at where things, you know, were spent in the past, I think you can make some more credible recommendations about what's going to happen in the future and then what your alternatives are if you take some strategic, some strategic action. There's a consultant recently who brought some really unique pharmacy solutions to an employer. He said, look, you know, your costs are rising significantly, double digits year over year, and said, we want to try and bring some unique solutions to the table. So we, they went out, crunched the pharmacy data, and brought a particular solution to the pl- in play that could save that employer over $200,000, which equated to 30%. Now, again, that's historical data, so it's not the forward-looking data I think we're all looking for. But the employer said, you know what, I appreciate the fact that you're out there trying to be creative and be forward-thinking. So, you know, trying to protect my spend and my bottom line in 2015 and going forward. So I think for benefit consultants, I think the key is to leverage the data in the past and try and make strategic recommendations to reduce costs in the future. I think is is certainly a huge opportunity for, for innovative brokers and consultants in 2015 and beyond. So you don't see, as, as we sit here today, you don't, you don't see us really being able to use a viable predictive modeling engine. I think there are some out there, and, and it's interesting. I talked to some companies that are trying to do that, again, with all the venture capital flowing into healthcare. I think it's p- 
possible. I don't think we're necessarily there yet. And I think a lot of the challenge on a lot of this stuff, and this gets back to disease management and wellness and other things like that, which I am ambivalent on. I think it's really hard to say what the dollar value is of a prevented heart attack or whether you would even prevent a heart attack by doing certain things to begin with, right? If you help somebody lose 15 pounds or lower their cholesterol by 15 points, that's intuitively a good thing, but does it have a material impact on the bottom line that you can tie back to and track? And I'm ambivalent on that, frankly. To me, what's far more interesting is trying to reduce hard dollar costs for an employer. To me, it's way more compelling if you can walk into an employer and say, look, Here's an option for a transparent marketplace, let's say, where we've repriced some claims and walked in. We, can, we, think, we think we could save you $800,000. And here's line by line about what you were paying in 2013, 2014, and what you could pay with this solution in 2015. That, to me, is way more credible to a CFO, to business owners who are increasingly engaged in these conversations versus kind of on the health improvement disease management side. Not that you can't do that nor, you know, or you shouldn't be doing that, but in the conversations we have, hard dollar stuff I think is way more compelling because they're looking to save money now. Yeah, and you raise an interesting issue. I and mean, we talk, again, a lot of us who, who kind of look out into the future and gaze into our crystal balls and see kind of you know, what, what we think is coming, talk a lot about transparency, both around quality and price. Where uh-huh. are we today on both of those parts of transparency where do you see it going and how does – kind of a three-part question, third part, how do today's advisors leverage that to bring better solutions to their employers? That's an excellent question. So you know, where are we today? I, I think we're certainly better than we, than we were several years ago. There are certain states, Massachusetts, I think just rolled out a mandatory transparency law. So there are a lot more transparency tools out there. The carriers provide some okay tools. There are some third-party companies who specialize in the healthcare transparency space. Some are better than others. I think the challenge twofold is, number one, even though those tools are available, what does the engagement rate look like? If you can help somebody find out, an MRI might range from 500 to 3,000 based on where you go in a given market like Austin, where I reside. But the question is, how do you get the rank and file employees who are making the decision about where to get that MRI actually go? And there are some decent tools in that space. I really actually think we're going to start seeing the death of networks actually longer term. I think this whole idea of having a you know network where you say, you know what, the build rate is X, and but because you're part of this network with a, a major carrier, where you're going to get 45, 50, 60, 70 percent off build charges, I think is really kind of a flawed premise. We're starting to see some traction or a lot of interest in employers and almost like a, a direct payer kind of a cash model where you're saying providers are saying, what are the procedures we can do cost effectively at a certain price? And they, they accept what almost looks and feels like cash to them. Where they say, you know what, we know that we can do hip replacements or steroid ejections or MRIs at a certain price point, and we want to get out of the insurance game. So we're going to take what equates to a cash price for these procedures. And it's fascinating because those cash prices can be very, very competitive. In fact, in some cases, dramatically less than the network prices that exist today. You know, I, I talk to employers and benefit consultants are starting to have this conversation where they'll say, Something along the lines of healthcare transparency tools are great. They'll tell you if you've got five providers in a given market that one is a 3,000, one is 2,000, one is 1,500, et cetera. They're going to help you find the lower cost provider, the one that's, let's say, 1,000 versus 3,000. But if there are providers in your market that are willing to do it for like 350 or 400, kind of outside the typical insurance system, 
why aren't you going to those providers? You know, healthcare transparency, to use an analogy from a friend of mine, they often will tell you kind of the best bad deal within a network. And even if it's the best bad deal, is it really a good deal to begin with? So I think actually we may start seeing the death of networks over time because I think it's kind of a flawed premise. Do you see those providers of bulk pricing being ACOs? Are ACOs going to kind of step into the into that placeholder in the system? They certainly could. I think the ACOs have not stepped in there yet. I think they might. I don't necessarily think the idea of having one massive organization that tries to do everything, you know, be all things to all people is tough. I think we actually might see even some more subspecialties. You're saying, look, we're a hospital or we're a small provider group, and these are the 10 things we do. And we do these 10 things really, really well, high quality, low cost, but we're not going to try and be all things to all people. I think that whole idea of of trying to do that is is tough. Um, Time will tell. Well, one of the things that we talk about when we look at claims and claims cost is setting. We're hearing, starting to hear some rumblings in some markets about on-site and near-site clinics. Are, are mm-hmm. you seeing that? And, and do you think that's a trend that's going to keep growing? I do. I certainly think we're seeing more and more of it. I think it's going to trend that's going to continue, continue to grow. It's challenging because obviously we talk to employers all the time who are interested in it. The key question is whether they have the population to justify in a central enough location. I talked to a benefit consultant recently who had a client, and they were really interested in the idea of it. But when push came to shove, they had roughly four or 500 employees, and just the economics of it didn't make sense. I certainly think there's going to be more and more interest around on-site clinics. I think access to care is a huge deal. Uh, I think a lot of people have insurance, but can they actually get, get to see the doctor in on a timely basis? So I think it's going to be a bigger and bigger trend. I think the question is, can they make the economics of it work? One of the solutions we brought to a benefit consultant that he liked for smaller mid-market employers was kind of an on-site, a hybrid on-site clinic, but the expensive part of an on-site clinic, kind of the, the build at cost, the on-site doctor, all those kinds of things um, were shared. So this is, this is kind of a technology play where they, they throw a T-cart in an existing, let's say, 10 by 10 room in an office staffed with a, a paramedic. And all of the equipments and the tools, the you know stethoscope, all the other equipment, has HD cameras and microphones in it feed back to a shared doc. So this is an employer who could roll out a clinic for half to a third of the traditional cost because the expensive part, the build-out and the doctor, was shared among multiple employers. So I think that may be something you start seeing more and more of in kind of the middle market space. But I certainly we're having more and more conversations about it and more and more employers are interested in it. And I think they should be. So, Christopher, as we kind of wrap up here, how does the conversation with a benefit advisor go? I mean, what are those interactions that you're having like, and what are you hearing, and how do you advise them? You know, I talk to benefit consultants all the time. I was uh, uh, talking with a colleague. I've been in 16 cities in 2015 so far. So, you know, from West Coast, East Coast, Southeast. And I think benefit consultants, they're nervous about the future, and I think they should be. They're nervous about what kind of value can they continue to provide to exist, not just in 10 years, but five years. I think the benefit consultants that are thriving are the ones that are always open and looking for, for innovative solutions. They've always got kind of a you know, set of eyes out there combing the market, looking for creative ideas because their value going forward is not about showing up with a spreadsheet or talking about HSAs or cost shifting. To me, it's about bringing good ideas to justify those commissions and fees you're paying. Because if you can't justify those commissions and fees, you're in a lot of trouble. But the guys who are out there 
taking a hard look at data, bringing you know, creative ideas to the table. If you can walk in and show an employer how to save $500,000 on medical and pharmacy costs, the conversation around your $75,000 annual consulting fee is a very easy conversation to have. You can say, look, we're charging you 500 grand or we're charging you 75 grand, but I just saved you $500,000 on your pharmacy costs. That's an easy conversation to have. The guys who are out there passing along rate increases and talking about the same stuff everybody else is talking about, they're going to get killed. I think the good news is for the forward-thinking guys, the guys who are willing to kind of buck the status quo and be creative, there are dozens and dozens of cool ideas out there that we're talking to all the time. So I'm excited about the future of the industry. I think the brokers who are excited about the future of the industry, who are willing to be creative and innovative, are as well. Great place to leave our conversation today. Christopher Fisher, founder and president of Benefits Ally. Christopher, thank you again for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. Thank you, David. I really appreciate your time. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business. 